On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, it looks like the first Model Y with 4680 battery cells is about to go national. Plus, your Tesla is about to get a new productivity app, Tesla sets its sights on making its charging port the national standard, and more. happening friends i'm ryan mccaffrey here with you for episode 380 of ride the lightning the tesla unofficial podcast for november 13th 2022 to my left curled up in a boxer ball daisy the boxer and to my right just a little uh, out of my purview here under my wife's supervision is zelina the yellow lab aka zelina the future service dog Yes, I will tell you a little bit more about that later on in the podcast towards the end, after all the Tesla stuff, but that was what my Patreon bonus mini episode, I call it the lightning round each week, that's what the episode was about this week, was about our new puppy and Canine Companions, the organization that we're volunteering with to raise her. So if you're interested in hearing that full spiel, plus the other 21 weekly lightning round episodes that are now in the back catalog you can support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast, and it's the ludicrous tier, the $10 per month tier or higher that gets you access to all of those weekly bonus mini episodes along with early access to each week's regular episode. Hey, real quick, uh, a little thing that I forgot to mention on last week's episode when I was talking about the Peterson Museum exhibit They sent me a bunch of professional photos that they shot of the cars that are in the exhibit. And by the way, side note, some of them are pretty beat up. If you take a close look at the pictures, these cars did not just get used for display. They got got, uh, put out into the service and some of them got beat up. Uh, Like, for instance, it reminds me of when I went to the Peterson to see the next-gen Roadster prototype last year, and down on the lower front portion of the passenger door, there is a huge gouge in the paint that just made made me cringe inside to look at. I felt so bad for Franz and the team, that gorgeous red paint job with a with a nasty little flaw in it. Anyway, the reason I bring this up is The main neat little thing that I wanted to share with you that I managed to forget on last week's show, and it's uh, it's something I wanted to bring up because I don't think this has ever been publicly seen before. It definitely had escaped my purview, so maybe some of you uh, or all of you hadn't seen it either, is that the charge port on the original 2019 Cybertruck prototype has a light-up Tesla T logo on it, just like all of the Model 3s and Model Ys in our garages do. But the difference is that Tesla T logo on the Cybertruck prototype is cyberfied. So it's all 90-degree angles. There are no curves in the Tesla T logo. They've they've done a cyber cyberfied version of it, which I thought was really, really cool. I posted a picture of it on my Twitter and I keep forgetting to put it on my Instagram as well. Hopefully I'll, I'll have done that by the time uh, this podcast goes out wide to all of you and into your ears. But I, I do want to note that the, the charge port has already moved off of the body and onto the wheel well trim on the newer Cybertruck prototypes. 
So it remains to be seen where it ends up on the final vehicle. That is to say, the final Cybertruck might not even have a light up Tesla T logo, let alone a cyberfied one. I hope it does though. Because it's a really, really cool Easter egg. And I and quite frankly, Tesla, I would love to see them sell t-shirts with that cyberfied Tesla T logo because I would buy one. They'd sell like hotcakes to everybody that's got a Cybertruck on reservation. It's a really cool look. And one more quick thing before I get the proper news started this weekend. Once again, there is plenty of it. This isn't Tesla related, but I did want to say as an EV fan uh, and somebody who wants to see the EV movement continue to move forward as it very much has been, I want to say congratulations to Porsche for producing their 100,000th Porsche Taycan this past week. By all accounts, the Taycan is a pretty awesome car. And in my opinion, I've said this before, I think it is absolutely vital that an enthusiast mark like Porsche takes EVs seriously, which they, by all accounts, again, absolutely have taken the EV seriously with the Taycan. The, the fact of the matter is not everybody's gonna buy a Tesla for any one of a million different reasons. So therefore, Porsche has this unique ability to bring new people into the EV tent that otherwise would not voluntarily do so via Tesla. I have never driven, actually, I've never driven any Porsche, let alone the Taycan. I would love to drive one someday, but certainly its reputation as a great driver's car precedes it. And from everything I've ever heard, heard or read about the Taycan specifically, it's much deserved. So congrats to Porsche on that nice milestone. All right, let's talk Tesla. That's what we're here for after all. Plenty to tell you about this week, starting with an admission of wrongness on my part. It looks like I was dead wrong on last week's podcast when I was giving my take on the standard range all-wheel drive Model Y out of Texas. And hey, as if you've been listening a long time, you know that when I'm wrong, I do my best to own it. So here we go. The story I saw first reported on Tesla Roddy who writes, Tesla is preparing to offer a new Model Y trim for 2023 with a standard range all-wheel drive configuration and 4680 battery packs, uh, battery cells, pardon me, that just landed approval from the EPA, aka the Environmental Protection Agency. The EPA has now added Tesla's Model Y certificates of conformity for 2023 models to its database. And instead of just receiving approval for the two configurations it already sells, the long range and the performance, Tesla received three certifications of conformity for the Model Y. The EP, uh, EPA approved the long range all wheel drive, the Model Y performance all wheel drive, and now a new trim, which it lists as Model Y all wheel drive. Tesla applied for approval of the three Model Y configurations on September 30th and received certificates of conformity on October 19th, according to EPA documents. Specific range ratings for this trim have not yet been released by the agency. And so there you have it. It very, very, very much appears that the standard range all-wheel drive Model Y, which will officially be known as simply the Model Y, really, just like the, the standard range Model 3 is now simply just the base Model 3, but the Model Y all-wheel drive 
95 plus percent chance here is gonna go on the menu. And for now, here's why it's notable, of course. It is the one and only way that you can guarantee that you get a car with the 4680 battery cells and the structural battery pack. Now that said, as I mentioned last week, in my opinion, it is a bit of a steep price to pay as it's only $3,000 less than the long range despite having 50 less miles of range, 50 fewer miles of range. Now on the plus side, at least it should qualify as a 2023, it should qualify for the full uh, Inflation Reduction Act federal tax credit slash rebate, which would get its base price down to $55,500 before any options that you might wanna add. I decided to make this the story, the subject rather, of this week's Patreon poll, which again, you can vote on every week. I've been trying to put, trying to put those polls up for everyone. You don't need to be a Patreon backer to vote. On my Patreon page every Tuesday night, it's patreon.com slash Podcast. And so this week, simply, I said, Model Y buyers, would you consider the standard range all-wheel drive Model Y? And the answer, the votes, uh, 119 votes, 81% going with no. 18% yes, 2% undecided. Uh, Matt Chenander saying the price difference is basically a wash, so Tesla must think the 4680s and other improvements in that vehicle are worth the meaningful range decrease. Still interested to hear Tesla's story on it. So that is uh, that is a, a good take there by Matt, kind of sitting back. We need to find some more information about this car. Now, they are in the wild. I met somebody, I met an owner at TeslaCon Florida that had taken delivery of one of those Model Ys. I apologize if you're listening right now, sir. I, I can remember our conversation, but I apologize I can't remember your name. But in any case, uh, that now one other good comment I thought was from Lewis Vaughn, who says, who did vote no, but he said, no, unless I would have a six plus, plus month shorter delivery delay, or if the standard range had LFP batteries with the quoted range. In fact, LFP came up a lot in the comments on this. All good points by all of you guys voting and commenting on Patreon on this topic. So uh, the third Model Y appears to be coming online, the all-wheel drive standard range 4680 cell uh, Model Y is going national. Up till now, you've only been able to order it off menu if you're invited to do so within a certain radius, certain range of Giga Texas and Austin. But it looks like in the not too distant future, perhaps January 1st, perhaps just sometime randomly in Q1, perhaps even sooner than that, it's going to go on the design studio for anyone in North America to purchase. So if you are interested in that car, keep your eye out for it because it looks like it will be available very, very soon. Also coming soon to your Tesla, Zoom. I saw this story reported on Drive Tesla Canada, who writes, Zoom has officially announced it will soon be adding its video conferencing app to Tesla vehicles. The company announced the addition at its annual Zoomtopia 2022 event. The upcoming addition was announced at Zoomtopia by Natasha Walia, Zoom's group product manager of meetings. Walia did not provide many specifics about how or when Zoom will be added, 
but did say the company is excited to bring it to quote, all new Tesla models soon. Walia also shared a brief demo of the feature working in a Model Y, showing the Zoom app appears to use the vehicle's cabin camera in cabin camera located above the rear view mirror. This is the first time Tesla owners will get to see what the camera actually sees. The demo also showed that if you sync your calendar to your Tesla vehicle, I do, I don't know if you guys do, you'll be able to access a Zoom meeting directly from the in-car calendar. That's a nice touch. Aside from when it will be released, another detail that is unknown is whether Zoom will only work on Wi-Fi or if Tesla will allow owners who have signed up for premium connectivity to use the car's data plan to hold a virtual meeting when no Wi-Fi connections available. Well, let me answer your first question right away. And that is, this appears to only work when the car is in park, which is not at all surprising. Honestly, I would think, I'm not a lawyer, but I would think that if Zoom allowed the app to work in a moving vehicle, it could potentially open them up to some sort of liability in the event of someone getting into an accident while using Zoom in the car through the official app. Although, I would hope that it will work with the car in motion, but it'll just disable at minimum the video on your Tesla screen, perhaps also cutting off your video feed that's going out to everyone else on the call. In other words, my hope is that it'll still at least keep you as present in the meeting, in the Zoom meeting, in audio only, it just would cut off all the the video feeds, all the video, any video, anything would get cut off uh, for you in your in your moving vehicle. But we'll see. Now, to respond to Drive Tesla Canada's own speculation about how and who will be able to access this, personally, I'd be surprised if this didn't work over cellular for anybody that's paying for premium connectivity in their Tesla. Because this is exactly the kind of thing that premium connectivity should be paying for, are these kind of additional apps that add extra functionality, you know, optional extra functionality to your car. Also, uh, before I move on to the next topic, I want to note, I really hope that this opens up other potential ways for end users, aka us, to utilize the in-cabin camera. Now, the first thing that comes to mind for me when I think about that would be being able to view that in-cabin camera remotely from the Tesla app while my car is in dog mode. Let me check in on my puppy. You know what else would be cool? You tell me. I'm gonna open this up. Call in or email me if you've got another good idea for what could be a good use of the in-cabin camera in your Tesla. Next up this week, Tesla is taking aim at having their charging port become the national standard here in the United States. This story comes via Tesla's own official blog. I'm gonna read you the whole thing. It's only four pretty short paragraphs. They are rather succinct about this. They say, with more than a decade of use and 20 billion EV charging miles to its name, the Tesla charging connector is the most proven in North America, offering AC charging and up to one megawatt of DC charging in one slim package. It has no moving parts, is half the size, and twice as powerful as CCS connectors. In pursuit of our mission to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy, 
Today we are opening our EV connector design to the world. We invite charging network operators and vehicle manufacturers to put the Tesla charging connector and charge port, now called the North American Charging Standard, NACS, on their equipment and vehicles. NACS is the most common charging standard in North America. NACS vehicles outnumber CCS 2 to 1, and Tesla's supercharging network has 60% more NACS posts than all the CCS-equipped networks combined. Network operators already have plans in motion to incorporate NACS at their chargers, so Tesla owners can look forward to charging at other networks without adapters. Similarly, we look forward to future electric vehicles incorporating the NACS design and charging at Tesla's North American supercharging and destination charging networks. As a purely electrical and mechanical interface agnostic to use, uh, as, pardon me, agnostic to use case and communication protocol, NACS is straightforward to adopt. The design and specification files are available for download and there is a link to them right there. And we are actively working with relevant standards bodies to codify Tesla's charging connector as a public standard. Enjoy. Well, uh, this is definitely big news. Big news here. I hope it's not a bit too late for Tesla. Yes, you heard the statistics. But CCS has started to entrench itself as the universal fast charging standard here in the United States. I suspect, though, it's not too late, personally, for part of the reason being, I mean, you just heard Tesla give the stats. Although I will say I am of the opinion that I think Tesla had to make this move now or never. It was now or never, specifically because the rest of the industry is finally starting to bring viable EVs to market. Now, no single one of them, one of the other companies, is producing in any great numbers as of yet, but collectively, it has moved the needle enough. There are now enough CCS charging vehicles out there in the United States, in North America, where we are finally past that elusive tipping point that I had talked about several shows back. So my question is, first, will other automakers actually take Tesla up on this? I think there's a case to be made both ways. On the pessimistic side, quite frankly, we've seen the reaction to Tesla over the years from the competition. The competition has trash-talked Tesla and dismissed them at every turn over the last 10 years. And as Tesla started nibbling at their lunch, when the Model 3 came out, I mean, the Model S actually started the nibbling, then the Model X did some nibbling, and then... Well, the Model 3 came around and started scarfing down the competition's lunch. So I could see the hubris of these companies perhaps preventing them from adopting the Tesla standard. Pure ego. And yes, I know that might sound crazy to say when you're talking about a multi-billion dollar business like automotive, but I say it with some confidence. I don't say it with any joy, by the way. But I say it with some confidence in the fact that it's, I think it is legitimately possible because we've seen that hubris wielded against Tesla. We've seen it come out over the last 10 years. I mean, just like 
over the last couple of years, very recently, Ford's own communications director spends a, a, an, what in my opinion would be an unhealthy amount of his time trash talking Tesla on Twitter. Now I get maybe he's just trying to drum up, you know, he's, he's trying to kind of be a PR guy. You got to get attention, but like, you know, it, my point still stands that whatever his reasons, whatever his motivations, the fact is the competition has spent a lot of time naysaying Tesla, actively trash talking Tesla, dismissing Tesla. And so I don't think the hubris uh, being a, a, a reasonable possibility for a reasonable uh, chance of why this this standard might not get applied outside of Tesla's walls, it's something we have to acknowledge. Now, uh, on the optimistic side, Tesla has what no one else has, and that's a huge supercharger network. That is going to be a big and hopefully irresistible lure to get those other car companies on board with the Tesla standard. Uh, by the way, a little uh, confident of Tesla, shall we say, to change the name of their of their charge port to be the to be the uh, North American charging standard, not the Tesla connector. We're, they're actually calling it the North American charging standard, and it's not a fake it till you make it thing. Again, they've got the numbers to back it up. I just, I, I like the, uh, the confidence there in Tesla's part in making that name change. So again, uh, Tesla has the big supercharger network, which the other car companies, the other automakers do need because I think basically none of them are putting any money themselves into a charging network. There's uh, the Volkswagen group, which by virtue of Dieselgate penalty, has had to fund, commit a lot of money to the Electrify America network. But I think really outside of that, no legacy automaker is voluntarily putting resources towards EV charging, fast charging. That may have changed. Now, again, I, I may very well be wrong about that. That may hopefully be starting to change. I do know Rivian has started to do some installing uh, of their own chargers out like in national parks. But I did specifically say legacy automakers for a reason, because the new, the startups, the EV startups like Rivian, like Lucid, they're not the problem here in terms of trying to get EVs to be more widely adopted. It's those legacy automakers. And you know, now that I think about it, Tesla, we know that they have previously taken very deliberate measures to open up their network to other automakers. First in Europe, as I've told you about, as, as those uh, milestones have come along, and then with publicly stating their plans to do the same here in the United States, though it hasn't happened yet. And so I say that to say out loud to myself and for all of you to hear, I probably should have seen this coming that Tesla would would take the next step and open up their own charging standard to to other automakers uh, to kind of capitalize on the fact that they are going to be opening the supercharger network to other automakers as well. In any case, I think the next year will be very telling because think about it this way too. Tesla's not going to stop building superchargers and those superchargers, not only will there be more of them, 
but they're only going to continue to get faster. We know that V4 superchargers are on the way. And I would hazard a guess that I feel pretty confident about in saying that Tesla will be expanding their lead in the fast charging department, not simply maintaining it. Yes, other chargers, Electrify America, other networks are growing, but are they growing faster than Tesla is growing the supercharger network? I admit I don't have the data in front of me to give you a guaranteed yes or no answer, but I would be willing to bet lunch that the answer is no, they are not growing their networks faster than Tesla is growing the supercharger network. So we'll see who the first competitor is who will swallow their pride and go ahead and utilize Tesla's North American charging standard. And I think what would be likely to happen before that, we'll see which of the fast charging providers I mean, yes, I mentioned Electrify America. I don't know if they'll start. I hope so. But, you know, you've got other companies out there like EVgo, ChargePoint, and some of these other ones. We'll see which of those charging networks, the third-party charging networks, bites first on uh, including that North American charging standard, that NACS port, on their uh, charging stalls. Next up this week, let's go to Europe, where the Model 3 has topped the European efficiency test. This story comes via Teslarati. They write, The comparison completed by Green NCAP, a European car assessment organization, included the Tesla Model 3, the Renault, I don't know how to say this, Mejane, M-E-G-A-N-E. I know Renault is French, so uh, is it Mejane? If I'm wrong, I'm sorry, uh, but I'm going to go with that. The Renault Mejane E-Tech and the Neo ET7. With these three vehicles, Green NCAP used a couple of tests to quantify their overall efficiency, including a highway driving efficiency test, a cold weather driving test, and a hot weather driving test, to name a few. The cars were given scores out of 10 on the Energy Efficiency Index, along with other metrics from these tests. The Tesla Model 3 scored the best with a 9.6 out of 10 energy efficiency result, while the Renault and Neo ET7 scored 9.4 out of 10. Researchers primarily believe that Tesla's success was due to the vehicle's superior aerodynamics and smaller frontal area. However, all the vehicles tested suffered in the cold weather test dramatically increasing energy use by 72% in the case of the Tesla and the Neo and seven uh, and the Neo 72% there as well and 78% for the Renault. So, what do we have here? Well, another award for the trophy case over at Tesla. I'll tell you, they're going to have to put up another sprung tent structure to house all of the awards that the four Teslas have won so far. And in case you're curious, by the way, the green end cap, that is an official European Union government thing. That is not just some random company or random third party. So this is a pretty legit and thus fairly significant honor here. But anyway, what we know is efficiency is what Tesla's always been really good at. Not that others are bad. I mean, the numbers for the competition on this were good, but Tesla's been at it for longer. I mean, that's the bottom line. That's certainly, it doesn't hurt. It helps. 
So it's really no surprise that they're beating the competition in that particular category. Now, as for the HVAC system, that's just physics. Gas-powered cars also suffer a, in their case, gas mileage hit, aka lower efficiency, when they use their HVAC system too. But Tesla has already shown that they're willing to take a first principles approach to solving that problem as well, evidenced by the Octovalve. And by the way, friend of the podcast and manufacturing expert Sandy Monroe has previously commented on exactly how smart the Octovalve is. And spoiler alert, he says it's pretty darn smart. Side note about Mr. Monroe, by the way, he was one of my fellow speakers back at TeslaCon Florida a few weeks ago. And unlike my talk, and actually unlike all the other talks, the format with Sandy was an interview. So Nick, who is the president of the Tesla Owners Florida Club and also the organizer of the event, he very kindly asked me to help him interview Sandy. And that interview that Nick and I did is now on the Tesla Owners Florida YouTube page. I will put a link to it in the show description this week if you're interested and going to watch slash listen to that. Now, next up, speaking of the Model 3, Tesla has updated the Model 3 taillights in North America to add amber turn signals and a bit more. Tesla has updated the taillight design of the Model 3 performance more than two. This, by the way, is also from Drive Tesla Canada. Uh, So it's the Model 3 performance specifically here, more than two years after making the same changes to the Model Y. Unfortunately, the change only impacts the Model 3 performance built at Fremont after October 24th, according to an internal email obtained by Drive Tesla. There was no mention if the change will make its way to the other Model 3 variants, but as with other changes, we fully expect this to happen in the future. The biggest and most important update is to the turn signal. Until now, the turn signal in the Model 3 taillights was red, the same color as the brake lights. With the updated design, the turn signal is now amber, making it much clearer to a nearby motorist that you are planning on turning. Studies have shown there is up to a 28% decrease in the likelihood of a collision with amber turn signals versus red ones. Along with the turn signals, Tesla says the outer C-shaped portion of the taillights now illuminates brighter when braking activity occurs, i.e. if you press the brake pedal manually or if regen braking happens. One final change is that the red portion of the taillights is a brighter shade of red when the taillights are off. So, uh, what to make of this? Well, I have to say, I distinctly remember predicting that this was going to happen on the podcast two years ago. Once the Model Y got the different taillights from the Model 3. Although, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm not sure why or how it took this long for it to happen. I thought it would follow suit on the Model 3 in a couple of months at the most. Instead, it took a couple of years. I mean, as far as I know, which to be fair is not certain, but as far, I mean, just to the naked eye, The Model 3 and Model Y use identical taillights in terms of their shape, their housing, and possibly the thing I definitely can't be sure of, the wiring. I don't know if the wiring harness, the the, the plug in there is the same. So really, 
The only reason that I can think of that this is only now just starting to happen since, again, for the time being, it's only on the Model 3 Performance, which is the lowest production Model 3 of the three Model 3 variants. Uh, that's the only one, of course, getting this taillight change for now. But, but the only thought that occurs to me is that maybe Tesla's supplier contract ran for a really, really long time for this part, for the Model 3, the taillights, and maybe it's finally running out now or phasing out supply-wise. Now, I own, I'm very fortunate to own a Model 3 performance, and I'll be honest with you, I would love to swap these out, uh, swap out what I have for these if the cost is reasonable and if they are technically compatible. I can tell you that I know it used to be pretty reasonably cheap, reasonably affordable. I won't say cheap, but pretty reasonable price-wise to uh, purchase a taillight. Now, uh, the reason I know that is because I had to, or I chose to replace a taillight very early on uh, after I had the car because the housing got scratched. And if I remember correctly, I should have thought to check my my, uh, PDF, my service record before I got on the podcast here, but as I rem- I do vividly remember that it was a surprisingly low number. Like I just was braced for, oh, it's, it's a car part. It's just going to be astronomically expensive and, you know, it, out of warranty, anything's going to be crazy, crazy expensive. But no, as I recall, it was something, it was in the neighborhood of a hundred bucks. Now, granted, there are four of those pieces total that you'd have to buy, you know, you've got two on the left, two on the right, the two inner and two outer pieces. So, you know, it could be four or 500 bucks if you did want to actually just go to go to a service center and purchase these uh, these taillights to, to swap into your Model 3. But it may be possible. And, and that's it is going to be possible if that wiring harness is the same. I would suspect they are, but with Tesla, you never quite know. The good news is I'm sure somebody in the community is going to try it sooner rather than later. And when that happens, not if, when that happens, I will let you know what those results are. I've got two more stories for you this week. The first of those is this. Tesla's Giga Shanghai has broken its own production record for the third month in a row. Going back to Drive Tesla Canada, who was on it this week. They say, according to data from China Merchants Bank International, Tesla built 87,706 new Model 3 and Model Y cars at Giga Shanghai in October. That easily breaks the previous record set just the month before in September when 82,088 new cars rolled off the factory's production lines, which broke the record set in August of 76,705 new cars built at Giga Shanghai. With Giga Shanghai's successive record quarters, or actually successive record months, that should say, Tesla China has produced 246,499 new cars in just the last three months alone. Well, Normally, I would be interested in the splits between Model 3 and Model Y, the production number splits. But in this case, I'm not really interested in that at all. I think for this story, 
What's fascinating to me here is the run rate. 87,706 in October. If Tesla were to hold that in November and December, that projects out to about 263,000 threes and whys total for Q4. For a little bit of context on that, that 263,000 and change would be not just more, but way more cars just out of Giga Shanghai in Q4 than all of Tesla produced a year and a half ago back in Q3 of 2021. That quarter saw production of just under 238,000 cars, which at that time was across two factories, Fremont and Shanghai. Now that number, that 87,706 number in October, is also a run rate of almost, it's just under 22,000 cars per week. 22,000 cars a week. That is incredibly impressive compared to anything Tesla's ever done. So if you combine that with Fremont, which should be running at its maximum stated run rate of 553,000, excuse me, 550,000 Model 3s and Ys per year and 100,000 S's and X's per year on top of that, meaning 650,000 total vehicles out of Fremont, that means that we can estimate about 160,000 cars out of Fremont for Q4. Hopefully that'll be conservative, but that's, that's a reasonable estimate we can take right now. Plus, hopefully another 50,000 or so from Giga Berlin and Giga Texas combined as they continue to ramp up. Again, hopefully I'm being very conservative there, but this is a conservative estimate. So that conservative estimate grand total would be, for Q4, 473,000 vehicles, which would crush Tesla's all-time quarterly record, which they just set just in the quarter we just completed. And I had to go back, by the way, and double-check my own prediction for Q4, which I made just one month ago on episode 376. I put myself down for 453,000 as the total production number for Tesla in Q4 2022. So I could end up looking bearish with my guess. Here's hoping that's exactly how it turns out. Finally this week, just to put in perspective how good Tesla has gotten at the business of making cars... Listen to this financial comparison to Toyota. Yes, that Toyota, the world's number one automaker or maybe number two automaker, depending on what data you're looking at. It looks like Volkswagen might have overtaken Toyota this year. Toyota seemed like they were definitely number one last year. Anyway, you get what I'm trying to say. One more time from Drive Tesla Canada. According to the two companies' Q3 financial reports, Tesla recorded $3.29 billion of net profit compared to Toyota's $3.15 billion. You might be thinking that those two figures are pretty close, but when you zoom out a little further, you will see that Tesla sold seven times fewer cars than Toyota. 
yet still recorded eight times more profit per car than Toyota due to their industry-leading margins. In the third quarter, Tesla sold 344,000 vehicles, while Toyota sold 2.62 million vehicles. That equates to an average profit of just under $10,000 vehicle, $10, per vehicle sold by Tesla, $9,750, and just $1,200 per vehicle sold for Toyota. Tesla's financial success is not due to one factor alone. The automaker has been able to simplify production and reduce costs with its gigapress machines and mega castings. They are also able to reduce costs by selling directly to the consumer, taking out the expensive middleman, that being, of course, dealerships. Thank you to Drive Tesla Canada. Well, what this means is, first of all, it's great news for Tesla shareholders if you believe that the company will come anywhere close to its goal of producing 20 million cars a year by 2030. I am one of those people that thinks they will get close. I don't think they're going to hit 20 in 2030. I have said, I think even if they only, quote unquote, only get to 10 million a year in 2030, obviously they're going to be sitting pretty based on what you just heard. But as I said, so in even that pessimistic scenario, and I'm putting some heavy air quotes on pessimistic, 10 million vehicles per year from Tesla by 2030, Tesla will be printing money. And by the way, they won't just be printing it in 2030, but 2031 and every year after. Tesla essentially gets to reap the crop that it has sowed and it will get to do so for gen for many years to come. I mean, you can never totally predict the future, but Tesla will be very well positioned for the foreseeable future. I mean, they already are, of course, as Tesla has been profitable for, at this point, a couple years in a row, like at least, it's got to be at least eight quarters in a row, if not more. Yeah, uh, probably more. Might even go back 2019, maybe, might have been... Uh, when the, when the run, the current run of, of profitability started. So I'd like to optimistically add in a closing note here that it's hopefully going to serve as a beacon of optimism to the legacy automakers. And the reason I say that is an, a beacon of optimism that they too can massively increase their profits, profits per vehicle and thus overall profits, if they fully commit to a switch to electric vehicles. It won't be easy or cheap for them to make that conversion, but they basically have to or else they're going to slowly or possibly even rapidly die. And so I think these numbers will give them hope that the pain of that conversion is going to be worth it. Woof, that was a lot of Tesla news this week. Lots of good stuff to discuss. I'm not done yet, though. I'm going to do a handful of your Ride the Lightning phone calls here coming up right after this. Before I get to your calls in the Ride the Lightning hotline, let me remind you real quick about that discount that's happening now with AccelerateAuto.com and their X-Care extended warranties for EVs. 
$100 off using the discount code lightning that remains available. Again, these guys are former Tesla guys. They worked at the company for a while. They have now stepped up their own company. Their goal is to offer an extended service agreement where Tesla just doesn't do that anymore. So if you're out of warranty like me, maybe this will be of interest to you. They cover things like MCU replacements, onboard computer systems for the Model 3 and the Model Y. Door handles are a popular one on the S, especially the older Model S's. AC and HVAC issues, air suspension issues on the S and the X, and more are all covered on Accelerate Auto's extended service plan once your four-year 50,000-mile factory warranty is up. Xcare's built specifically for EVs and offers coverage for up to 10 years and up to 175,000 miles with a $100 deductible. It all depends how you configure it. I've got a three-year, 40,000-mile extended warranty plan myself. They also offer leasing for consumers, businesses, and public entities that are looking for, for more creative leasing solutions than a cookie-cutter approach. In fact, unlike Tesla's leases, Accelerate allows you to buy the car at the end of the term if you so choose. Learn more and find the right extended warranty plan for you and your Tesla at accelerateauto.com slash xcare. That's x-c-e-l-e-r-a-t-e-a-u-t-o dot com slash x-c-a-r-e. And don't forget that discount code lightning for $100 off of your purchase. All right, time for the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Your calls here Uh, your chance to be featured on the podcast. If you would like to send in a phone call, there are two easy ways to do it. Either either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible, and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can call and just leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline It's a toll-free number you can dial anytime you want. That number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let's kick it off this week with David T. from Syracuse, New York. Hey, Ryan. This is David T. calling from Syracuse, New York. Longtime listener, major fan. Uh, I do have a Model Y. Um, shower thought here. While you were uh, going back to your shower thought comment, I was thinking, you know, when it rains and we forget to put our windows up, that soft, I'm not, I'm not an expert at this, but that software or hardware uh, that's built into the windshield that makes the wipers occur. If there was somehow maybe a sensor or maybe they could some, somehow install this in the seat, I don't know. Um, but I was just curious, how would it be if, you know, h- how cool would it be um, if the if when it was pouring rain and maybe our windows are down, if there was some sort of sensor that de- detected on the the windows to put the windows up? If you forget to put your window so you don't come back to a a uh, cold or a, a cold, wet car. Um, I'm a big golfer, long time golfer. So, you know, there are times where I forget to put my windows up and I know first world problems, right? But how cool would that be? Thanks, Ryan. Have a wonderful day. Say hi to uh, that awesome dog, Daisy of yours. Bye-bye. David, I will happily give Daisy a pet for you. And guess what? Your idea is one that Elon has commented on before. 
Back on May 29th, Twitter user and Tesla owner Brandon E916 asked that same question to which Elon replied, sure. As such, we can be reasonably confident that this is on the software team's to-do list. What we don't know is how high or low on that list that it is. It could be months, it could be a few years away, but the good news is the odds are strong that we will get this feature eventually. Thanks, David, for calling in. Next up, Bill from Switzerland, who has seen one of the new Tesla paint colors from Giga Berlin. Hey Ryan, this is Bill from Switzerland. Hope you're doing well. Yesterday, I was attending the press opening of the Auto Zurich, which is the biggest car show in Switzerland since the Geneva Motor Show hasn't reopened after the pandemic. Anyway, there were over 52 brands showing their latest models, and of course, I was also visiting the Tesla booth. And to my positive surprise, they had a Model Y performance on display in the new color Quicksilver. This car was delivered just two days earlier from the factory in Grünheide, and besides the new color, it was also missing the ultrasonic sensors, which gives it a very clean look. Now, the booth of Tesla was at the very back of the hall, so the lighting wasn't super great, but the new silver is a very vivid color, and I could just imagine how nice it would look in proper sunlight. So to all listeners in Europe who will get their cars from Grünheide with the new colors, I think they will be very happy with it. So that was it. Latest news from Europe. Take care, Ryan. Bye. Bill, thank you so much for calling in and sharing your first impressions of seeing Quicksilver in person with your own eyes. I recognize you said it was under maybe not the best of indoor lighting at the at the event, but uh, yeah, I, I'm sure out on the road it is going to be something special. But still nice to know that in person it looks as good as it looked and maybe even better than it looked in the pictures and videos that Tesla released. So I really appreciate you calling in and, and I extend the same offer. Anybody that catches the uh, Midnight Cherry in person, I wanna hear about that one too because when I ran that Patreon poll, was it last week or the week before, that was the color that won out over Quicksilver by quite a bit. So a lot of people very curious to know how that one is gonna look in real life. Next is Brad from Indianapolis. Hey, Ryan, Brad from Indianapolis. I was listening to episode 373 when you had mentioned um, putting solar up and charging with solar. My wife and I basically have the same setup. We've got a large solar installation on our farm, and we have two Tesla cars. Our energy provider had made some kind of not-so-pro-solar changes to our net metering agreement to incentivize solar users to use up most of their power during the day probably pretty similar to what California has already. And I was really struggling with how can I charge my cars and use up that extra sunlight during the day. Um, I had played around with the internal charge scheduling inside the Tesla app, and it wasn't working very well for me because my wife would run to the store, come back, plug back in, and the car just wouldn't start charging after the set time that it was programmed to. I found an app which is available both on Android and on Apple um, called Charge HQ. And what Charge HQ does is you give it guest permissions to log into your solar system. It then takes that API data and you also give it guest permission to log into your Tesla account. And it will detect that your vehicle's home. It will detect that you're producing excess solar power that you're basically sending back to the grid. And it will start, stop, 
and manage the charging of the parked Tesla during the daytime to soak up that additional solar production. I've been on it for about three weeks, and honestly, I just have forgotten about it. It works flawlessly. We have two Teslas, so what I do is I just jump back and forth between the two cars. Um, I let one charge one day, and I run the other one almost to zero. And then as I come home, I throw my duffel bag in the other car and take back off with a full battery. And it, I found it a great way to maximize that solar return by using the big batteries in my cars to... Um, to not send that energy back to the grid because I'm not getting paid as much for, as I used to for it. I hope you're doing well. Uh, love the podcast. Hope everything's going well. Well, Brad, this is one of those calls. I've got nothing to add here. I just want to thank you very much for that recommendation. I'm sure a lot of your fellow listeners are going to want to check that out. I've got time for one more call this week. We're going to go to Waco, Texas to hear from Alan. Hi, this is uh, Alan from Waco, Texas. I have two uh, points to to make, and let me say first, I really find your show informative. Uh, first, I've noticed on my Model 3 that in some pages, particularly on the uh, tire uh, inflation level, they use an orange, or maybe it's a yellow, I guess a yellow font, which is almost impossible to read because of the lack of contrast between white and yellow. And I guess they do that to highlight an abnormal pressure on the tires, but I think they should get rid of that. It's so hard to, to read, and I wonder if anybody else has had that problem. Number two, as long as I've had my Model 3, which is over two years, when I go up to the to the car to open a door, very, very often, there is a long delay when I, you know, flip the lever of the door uh, to open it, where it doesn't open. In fact, sometimes it doesn't open at all, and I what I do is I go to a different door, and I'll open that, and then the driver's door will open. So it's a, a common problem. I mean, it's not the end of the world, but it's kind of uh, inconvenient, Um it looks bad if anybody's watching me, you know, but uh, I wonder if anybody else has, has observed this and maybe it's a problem with my phone rather than the car itself. But uh, I, I was just curious if anybody had seen it and if knows if there's a, a solution for that. Okay. Thanks again for your, for your show. Alan, thank you for your call. You know, your note about the color choice on the font is a good one. Accessibility is one area where I think Tesla's UI could still use some more options. Like larger font sizes on the UI would be a great option, as would different colors to accommodate things like colorblindness, etc. Now, second, regarding your phone key issues, I would just suggest unpairing the phone from the car and then try pairing it again. I know that sounds simple, but it can't hurt to try. Also, make sure your Tesla app is allowed to always run in the background in case that happens to make a difference. I, I'm pretty stingy about that personally with my phone. I don't like a lot of apps running all the time. I want to be as efficient as I can. The Tesla app, I think, is the only app that I give permission to run all the time because it's one of my most vital apps. I want it to work instantly when it is when I want it. So anyway, you could you could try that 
as well. I mean, historically with the Teslas, Android phones have been a bit more finicky than iPhones, but I thought that Tesla had pretty well solved this issue by now. So good luck, Alan. And thank you so much for calling in. Thanks to everybody that took the time to call in. I will get to more phone calls next week. But in the meantime, feel free to call in if you've heard something on the podcast today that you'd like to respond to, either something that I said, one of the news items that you heard earlier in the show, etc. All right, I am not done with Ride the Lightning for this week as of yet. I've got some more to talk about, including my new little puppy companion. So stay tuned for that and your pro tip of the week and more right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. As for what's going on with me, you heard me tease it briefly at the top of the show. Zelina is what's going on in this house. Zelina, our new Yellow Lab Canine Companions puppy. She's eight weeks old, and my family and I will be raising her until she's 18 months old, at which point she will go back to Canine Companions for six months of intensive training, and then hopefully to be placed with a person with a disability or a veteran with PTSD. Canine Companions is an organization I found out about about through a friend of mine uh, who's raised a few puppies, and he was very encouraging uh, to me to, to, to step in and, and do it, and my wife was very interested, and we thought it would be good for our daughter to have, you know, kind of a cool project that she could really invest in, and she, I mean, she's always loved animals. So, yeah, we th- as made the family decision to do this, and yeah, I'm sure that the number one thing I've heard from people as I've posted about this on Twitter and Instagram. By the way, if you want to see pictures, Instagram or Twitter, I guess, either of those places is probably the best place to go. I'm DMC underscore Ryan on either of those social media platforms. And yeah, the the, the number one thing I see is, oh, it's going to be so just devastating for you to give her back at 18 months. I'm sure it is. But the way I look at it is that of, of all the people I've met in the canine companions world so far, because I've attended a couple of their events, uh, a puppy workshop. I've been to one of their like chapter meetings, their local chapter meetings. Everyone had, had, they didn't just do this once. They were all like on their fourth, fifth, ninth, 10th puppy. So they'd all been doing this for years. And so clearly the reward and the, the love and the bond that you form while while raising these puppies outweighs the sadness when you hand them in. And of course, when you give them back, you know it is for an incredibly good cause. You are you have hopefully set this dog up for success to go and be a genuine actual help to someone in their lives. So it's uh it's it's something that we feel good about, we're really excited about it. And yes, Zelina, we did not get to pick the name. So real quick, the 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 volunteer breeders, because the, the people that breed the dogs are all volunteers as well. It's a nonprofit. So the the service dogs, when they're given to people with disabilities, uh, veterans with PTSD, it's free of charge. There's no there's no money changing hands. So it's it's a lot of volunteer efforts. I am but a tiny, tiny piece of the puzzle. 
Um, and we're excited to, to contribute to this, to this, this uh, effort that we believe very much, uh, very strongly in. And so, uh, yeah, the, the breeders choose the names, but even they don't get full say over the names of the puppies because the way it's like a, it's like the way they track hurricanes where each new hurricane in the season starts with a different letter. And that's how the puppy litters work. So any litter that's born in the entire canine companions organization, which it is a nationwide organization, each one starts with the next letter. So I guess that's a way for them to kind of track like which, which puppies are which. So we got a Z litter, which must have been tough for the for the breeders because Z is is not the easiest one, but Zelina is her name, and we've we're on day three now as I record this, and I again I talked more much in much more detail about this on the the lightning round Patreon uh, bonus episode this week, which you know if you're backing me on Patreon at that appropriate level you can go hear the whole story, but. But yeah, so we've got a new new canine, new doggo in the house, new puppy. And Daisy, if you're curious, I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of you are thinking, well, how's Daisy taking this? So it, I thought they would be instant friends. And Daisy, it's not that Daisy's having a problem. It's more that Daisy doesn't understand that this is a baby, baby puppy. And that Daisy can't really play with her. She's just, Daisy's too big. So the first day was a little, like, she got a little too rough. The second day was a little better. Today's been a little better still. And I think Daisy's starting to figure out, okay, I need to just kind of let this let this puppy be for a, a bit. And in time, in time, they're going to get to play and be, and be buddies. But, um, yeah, so we're, we're looking forward to it. If you're interested in learning more, you can go to canine.org, the word canine, not the you know, the, the letter K and the number nine abbreviation you see on a police car, but C-A-N-I-N-E, canine.org. You can learn more about what Canine Companions is all about. Maybe your family would be interested in, in doing this. All right. Uh, oh, one other thing, back to Tesla that's going on with me. I might, I don't want to commit to this quite yet, but it's looking like I, I think I might try to do a Ride the Lightning listener Meetup like a group meetup at the Peterson Auto Museum in Los Angeles, because when I mentioned that I'm going to be down there on business coming up next month, uh, several people reached out and was like, "Oh, I'd love to just I'd love to meet you and go and when you go and be fun to." So that's awesome. You know, people are all very nice to reach out and want to do that. So I think uh, maybe I'll make try to make a, a not formal event, but like an you know an informal little gathering out of it, and we can all do it, you know, go into the museum and enjoy the Tesla exhibit together. I will mention this again when I firm up my business travel plans, which I haven't done yet, but tentatively, just thinking about it, I'm thinking the morning of Friday, December 9th might be the time that works for me to do this. So as it gets closer and I lock things in, I'll let you know for anybody that might be interested in uh, being a part of that and joining up and, and meeting up with me and your fellow Ride the Lightning listeners. Okie doke. Uh, oh, I guess I'll give you an entertainment recommendation for this week because it's a big week in the world of video games. God of War Ragnarok is out this week for PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. I'm playing it on PS5. I love the 2018 God of War and this one. 
so far is absolutely fantastic as well. IGN gave it a 10 out of 10, which is what the 2018 God of War got. And I'm really looking forward to diving into it. So this is definitely one of the biggest video games of the year that's out if you are a PS4 or PS5 owner. How about a pro tip of the week? It comes from Brad in Minnesota. Brad from Minnesota with a quick pro tip of the week, something that's been uh, bothering me for about a year, and I finally figured it out. It's just a real little thing, actually. When I approach my Model 3, my locked Model 3, it doesn't always automatically unlock as quickly as I would like it to because my phone's position is in my back pocket or in my coat pocket, and my car hasn't read it yet. So I've inevitably been pressing the handle in to pull it, it's locked, pressing, you know, letting go, pressing the handle again, pressing the handle again, moving my body around to try to get the Bluetooth to connect. I realized that once you press in the handle, you can grasp the, the door handle itself. You don't have to keep pushing and pulling. You just have to grasp it, and then once the phone reads, it'll just automatically unlock, and you don't have to keep on pressing the handle, which is really helpful in cold weather. I know it's getting warmer, but anyway, that is a tip that might help some people. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for this, Brad. I'm curious what phone you've got where this is an issue. I've had two different phones over the course of my four years of Model 3 ownership so far. I had an iPhone 10 when I first got the car, and now I have a 12 Pro Max. And it's very rare for me that I have to try the handle more than once. It does happen from time to time, to be clear. But I wonder if, like I was telling the caller earlier in the show, you might want to try repairing your phone with the car to see if you can make your unlock on approach a little bit more reliable. Regardless, though, this is a good tip for when that situation does arise. Thank you very much for this call. And if anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week that you'd like to share with me and your fellow listeners, please send it in the same way that you send in the regular Ride the Lightning phone calls. All right, that about wraps it up. But before I go, let me mention some friends of the podcast, including abstractocean.com, makers of so many fine aftermarket accessories. In fact, I'm going to just jump on there real quick because I have not looked in a while. So I know a lot of you have a Model Y. So let's just take a look. Model Y, we've got uh, center caps for the wheel covers that are have a red Tesla T logo. Maybe you want to grab those. They're 16 bucks. Grab those, throw those on the car, a little pop of color on your wheels, maybe. There's a Model 3 and Model Y screen mount for the rear passengers, which will hold an iPad, stuff like that. So protective armrest cover, center console tray, sunglasses holder, all kinds of stuff. Just take a look on there, sort by whatever car you've got, abstractocean.com, and use the coupon code RTLPODCAST, all one word, at checkout, get that 15% discount off of your first order. The snap plate, meanwhile, is available at everyamp.com RTL. That is the front license plate bracket that's nice, it's minimalist, it snaps on and off in seconds, it doesn't stick to anything, it doesn't interfere with anything, it can make fix-it tickets go away for those of you who, like me, hate having to use a front license plate. You can take it off if you're going to be at a car show, a cars and coffee, something like that. Put it back on if you're at a parking meter, avoid the the parking ticket. Uh, Take it off if you're going to be cleaning, detailing the car, etc. So the website there again is everyamp.com slash RTL. 
An update on my budget safe solar installation. Again, their website is budgetsafesolar.com. Give them a look. I'm sure you'll also try Tesla, you know, tesla.com slash solar as well. But um, if like me, the Tesla option doesn't work out for you, perhaps budget safe solar can. The referral code, by the way, if you do proceed with an installation with Budget Safe Solar, I humbly ask that you use the referral code RTL. But as for me, some bad news for me, though it's not the fault of Budget Safe Solar, it is San Francisco red tape. So our inspection was failed this time. So this is a set, you know, different inspector. The first inspector said, oh, this, this AC disconnects manual switch has to be on the outside of your house, whereas the installers had mounted it on the inside of the garage. Okay, so that was addressed. Second uh, second inspector comes in from PG&E, our local utility company, and says, well, you've got this Powerwall battery here, which of course I've had the Powerwall uh, for a while before the solar ever came around. So, well, with the solar with the battery, you need to upgrade your electrical panel. All right. I mean, I do want to be safe, so I'm not like completely annoyed by this. I'm just, why didn't the first guy mention this? So I don't know. Anyway. All right. So I just spoke today with a, uh, with an electrician that was recommended to me. So I'm, I'm in the early stages now of, of upgrading my panel and then hopefully I will be able to get signed off and get this solar turned on and start utilizing the power of the sun to fuel my car and power my house. Again, though, budgetsafesolar.com if you want to check them out. Immaculate Reflections. Their website is irdetailing.com. There's a discount waiting for any Ride the Lightning listener when you reach out, which there's a contact information form there on irdetailing.com. Mention that you're a Ride the Lightning listener and any work that you book in, there will be a nice little discount for you. Whether you're going to do paint protection film on some or all of the car, whether you're going to do ceramic coating, whether you're going to do paint correction or maybe two of those three or all three of those three, check them out, irdetailing.com. I promise if you're going to be in the San Francisco Bay Area with your car, You would be doing your car and yourself a great service by getting some detail work done at Immaculate Reflections. How about puretesla.com slash RTL? Your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. Free shipping anywhere in the U.S., 49 bucks for the 128 gigabyte kit. It is a micro SD based solution, which is just proven to be more reliable for the constant reading and writing that the dash cam and sentry mode needs. So I do recommend this product. I use this product, puretesla.com slash RTL. There's also a 256 gigabyte option for $69. And then they, uh, as a nice little bonus, if you're interested, they have a pair of, they have a kit, a slimline wireless game controller kit. If you do play a lot of the games that are available in your Tesla in your car, these nice, like low profile, sort of Super Nintendo inspired controllers will not take up a lot of space in your either center console or your glove box. So you can grab that as well from puretesla.com slash RTL. Finally, 
Just real quick, because I've already mentioned it, I think, a couple times this week, but my Patreon. So Patreon is the primary way through which you can support my efforts with this podcast, if you so choose. It's a voluntary thing. The podcast will always be free. It will always come out every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. But if you do see it in your heart to to uh, show me some support on Patreon, I would be humbled and appreciative for that. I do put a lot of work into this podcast every week. A lot of time, love, energy, research, all that goes into Ride the Lightning each and every week. You can learn more on my Patreon page, which is found at patreon.com slash Podcast. You can either do the traditional monthly support and you'll get whatever reward tier is at the tier you're supporting at. So the, the base $5 a month tier will get you early access to each week's episode in addition to the fact that you will be very kindly and generously supporting my podcast efforts here. Then there's that $10 a month effort, uh, $10 a month tier, I should say, that gets you the early access and the weekly lightning round bonus mini episodes. And it goes up from there uh, if you want to check that out. Again, patreon.com slash Podcast. Do subscribe to the podcast, though, however you're listening to it. Subscribing is free. That's just how you, you know, subscribing on whatever your favorite podcast service is so that each new episode is automatically pushed out to you rather than you having to remember, oh yeah, it's Sunday, I should go download the new Ride the Lightning. So you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify. Uh, and by the way, the, the easiest way a listener keyed me into this, because I've, I've told you about my frustrations with TuneIn, I'm on TuneIn, but when you search Tesla in the car, and even I think if you search Ride the Light, it's just like I'm very difficult to find in the car via TuneIn, which is frustrating to no end uh, in, because I've I've emailed their support about it and they can't or won't address that for me. But uh, anyway, a listener gave me a very kind heads up that if you search for me via voice command, that will work. So you could either you know just hit your voice. Hit your microphone and you could do um, play Ryan McCaffrey Ride the Lightning or play Ride the Lightning Tesla or play Ryan McCaffrey podcast, something like that. Try those. And those should more directly take you if you to the show if you're listening in your Tesla. I'm also on YouTube. It's audio only. There's no video. But if you just prefer to listen on YouTube, search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube and you'll find my channel. You can subscribe to the channel there, etc., etc. I mentioned earlier I'm on Twitter and Instagram with the same handle on both, DMC underscore Ryan. There are Zelina puppy pictures there in addition to my usual, at least as far as Instagram goes, my usual Tesla content on that. And finally, let me mention the very generous Patreon backers, the ones at the highest tiers the uh, plaid tier, maximum plaid tier, and roadster in space tier. I'll start with the plaid crew. Thank you so much to George Cassioppo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dory and Steve Guberman, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peake, Jeff Angwin, 
Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altshul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, the Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Ish, not Elon Musk, T. Kirk Lowry, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. An extra big thanks goes out to the Maximum Plaid backers. They are Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Maitsuaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham Droneberger, Scott Gillis, Aaron, John Cody, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, We Drive Tesla EV Luxury Car Rental in Oahu, HaloBengals.com, Chris Pratt, Ken Epstein, Doug Carey, and James Gregory. Finally, an extra big thanks to the Roadster in Space tier backers who get a one-on-one -on -one hangout with me each month if they choose to take it in addition to the group hangout every month with the Maximum Plaid crew. Uh, so the Roadster in Space tier backers are Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Iacoveto, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, who I'll be talking to tomorrow for our monthly one-on-one. -on -one. I'm look, looking forward to that well, tomorrow as I record this. And Kara Weston. All right. Uh, oh, I have a note down here from this from a couple weeks ago. Shout out to Sean Robinson. Stay strong on your quest to get your Tesla. You will get there. If you've listened to early episodes of this show, you know I waited and plotted and schemed and saved for several years before I finally got my car. You will get there, Sean. Stay strong on your Tesla dream. All right, for a snoozing Daisy the Boxer and a snoozing Zelina, the future service dog, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was Ride the Lightning episode 380. Stick with me, happy electric motoring, and I'll see you next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make, it's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.